College Football Today. Rocking and rolling into week number three of the college football season. Marquee top 25 battle. Clemson and Louisville later tonight. 8 p.m. kick and Papa John's. But Rich and I are talking about a marquee Big 12 SEC battle. Kansas State in Nashville to face the Commodores and Kyle Shermer. This is a quarterback in Kyle Shermer that last year only had nine passing touchdowns in 2016. He has seven through two games already, He's Rich. dropping dimes. He has been <laughs> dropping dimes through two games. I love Vanderbilt today. Yeah, I, I know this is going to upset you, I, but I do as well. I know, I know. You oh, want so badly to, to go head to head with I me. Did. I, I, I know. I, I, I like f- Vanderbilt. I, I, I really, I, I scrutinize the last two games, and it's a tough time of the season because neither Vandy nor Kansas State has, you know, they haven't played. They haven't played a top twenty-five team. They haven't played a great opponent. So we're still learning about both of these programs, but. If there's a quality win in the first two weeks, it belongs to Vanderbilt because they beat a very good Middle Tennessee team, 28-6, to held that offense, Brent Stockstill, Richie James, in check. This was a Middle Tennessee team that beat Syracuse last week. So Vanderbilt is now getting the quarterback play. They've always had the defense. Derek Mason doing a good job. They have been lights out defensively, lead the nation through two weeks in third down defense. Opponents have only converted two of 26 third down attempts. So that defense, the play of Kyle Shermer, I like Kansas State. Joe knows this. I like the program. I like Bill Snyder. Joe, not so much of a fan of Bill Snyder. I like Bill Snyder. I love the program. (laughs) But on the road, K-State never plays good opponents out of conference in September. I think this is a Vanderbilt victory. As long as they can run the ball with Carrie Blassingame and Ralph Webb, I think Vandy gets out of here 3-0. and It's going to be a great game. I agree. Now, both of these teams mirror each other in the simple sense of they were pedestrian type of offenses that wanted to run the football, ball control attack, work off a of play action, and more importantly, work off their front seven, especially in run support, to wear down opposing teams. And now you look at K-State, they're passing for over 200, rushing for over 200. Their quarterback, Jesse Ertz, has become a better passer, mm-hmm. completing 70% of his passes. But you mentioned that defense of Vanderbilt. They're only allowing 105 passing yards per game and 54 rushing yards per game to opposing offenses very solid and, and I look at this matchup as Derek Mason will have a defensive game plan in place put the pressure on Jesse Ertz I'm not sold on Jesse Ertz I told you that last year I think if you force him in the pocket to make his reads and progressions outside the read option that's the difference for me and I think it'll be a close game because K-State does play close games but in the end Vanderbilt does prevail 28-24 over Kansas State yeah I listen I agree with everything that you said i think they're similar teams i think it'll be competitive and i think it'll be a pivot moment for vanderbilt if they could win this game i think if vandy wins this game over a ranked opponent gets to three and oh they start to build their confidence could be a special season in nashville yeah our early picks so far we both like clemson i like vanderbilt in missouri rich likes byu in texas when we come back we'll be talking some tennessee and florida this is joe lisi rich sermonello live from studio 34 fantasy sports Radio Network. Hey, everybody.
everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia, best-selling author and host of the Fantasy Black Book Show right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Check me out with my good pals, Matt Modica and George Kurtz, as we cover all things fantasy football, all things fantasy. We got you covered because it's the Black Book, and that's how we roll. You can listen to us every Tuesday night, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, or catch us on demand with the free Fantasy Sports Radio app on Google Play and iTunes. Because once you go Black Book, well, you know the rest. Great battle taking place later today, 3.30 p.m., Tennessee and Butch Jones in the swamp to take on Florida. Tennessee hasn't won in the swamp since 2003, Rich, where they won 24-10. You know who the quarterback was back then? No. Casey Clawson. Wow. Cedric okay. Houston. Of the, Clawson, Jab- of the Clawson clan. Of the Clawson clan, yeah. yes. 24-10 to 10 in the swamp. Dominating effort for the Volunteers. Can they rebound? and get a, a marquee victory, I want to say, in the SEC on the road. I don't count last year's win in Athens as a marquee victory. They needed a Hail Mary to get that done. I, I don't know what to expect from this game. I, I, I only know that I think uh, CareerBuilder.com <laughs> should probably be the sponsor of this game because there are a lot of coaches who could be out of work at some point this year. And it hinges on this game. It's a huge game for, and I'm not talking about Jim McElwain. He's safe. But Doug Doug Nussmeyer, the offensive coordinator of Florida, Bob Shoup, the defensive coordinator at Tennessee, Butch Jones, you mentioned, head coach of Tennessee. This is a pivotal game. It's a great rivalry. It's important for the SEC East. But it is a big game because Florida can't move the ball offensively. We only saw them in week one. They really needed that Northern Colorado game last weekend. Obviously canceled because of Hurricane Irma. But they needed to get some rhythm offensively. They needed to get some reps for Felipe Franks. The suspended players, the Antonio Callaways, Jordan Scarlett's, not going to play in this game. So there's a dearth of skill position talent. And then on the other side, you have Tennessee, the complete opposite of Florida. Offense looked good against Georgia Tech in their big opening night victory, Labor Day victory, but defense has some problems. So what gives in this game between the poor Florida offense and the poorest Tennessee defense? Yeah, I agree with that. I'll I'll say this about Butch Jones in Tennessee. They've been close. They went on the road with Josh Dobbs a couple of years ago in Tuscaloosa, lost that ball game by five points, 19 to 14, had an opportunity to pull out the victory. Again, I don't count last year's miracle finish in Athens as a a marquee breakthrough win because, again, they were outplayed by a freshman quarterback, Jacob Eason, and that defense were the first-year head coach in Kirby Smart. So, again, where's the marquee resume for Butch Jones on the road? He's gotten some quality wins against Virginia Tech, and you can throw in that Georgia Tech victory last year, and he's knocked off Big Ten opponents three straight years in bowl games, but enough is enough. This is the SEC. This is the big boys, and you're talking about a team in Jim McElwain now Without the talent around him, he still coached his team to back-to-back SEC East titles. 
At a time when the SEC East is down, quite frankly. I mean, I think it was a bit of a consolation prize. Don't want to take anything away from Jim McElwain. I think he's done a good job. But you're now in year three. You have to be able to develop some offensive consistency. I mean, it looked like this year where you had Luke Del Rio, you had the young quarterback in Felipe Franks, you bring in the import from Notre Dame and Malik Zaire. It looked as if, and, and it might be, I don't want to heap dirt on a team after just one game, but they were abysmal they were. against the Michigan defense that was breaking in 10 new starters and again i'll reiterate the point i would feel better about florida if they had that pseudo exhibition game against northern colorado last week they really needed an opportunity to build some confidence build some chemistry uh, on that offense didn't get it so now you go from michigan to tennessee and a pivotal game Florida has not started a season 0-2 since 1971. That's what they're staring at this weekend. So it's going to be incumbent upon the offense to do something. I'm, I'm interested to see if Felipe Franks, he's got a lot of talent, he's young, but I'm interested to see what he could do against that Tennessee defense, number one, and then how much of the weight can the best unit in this game, the Florida defense, how much of the weight can they carry against Quentin Dormady and that Tennessee offense. Well, that's the matchup that I want to see play out because I still think Florida holds a significant advantage defensively with their secondary. They held Michigan, even though they lost that ball game, thirty-three to seventeen in the, or fourteen in that matchup. They held Michigan to 46% completion percentage. Now you have Tennessee go on the road. To me, that's the matchup. They create turnovers in their secondary. They can play man-to-man coverage, which allows Jim McElwain and that defense to stack the box and really force Dormandy to beat them over the top. And that's the matchup for me playing at home, even though they don't have another game under their belt, that I'm willing to bank on with Florida. Mm-hmm. I'm not sold on Butch Jones. This is a defense now. Week one, yes, it was a triple option. I was all in with Georgia Tech, but they allow 525 rushing yards to Georgia Tech. 525. Joe, that was a, a Taquan Marshall is a or was a first time starter exactly. for Georgia Tech. Now I understand difficult to prepare for the triple option. Joe has said said it many times before, and he's right. You, unless you're facing it in live action, you really don't know how to defend the triple option. So it's a tough task. But you had the entire off season to, to prepare, prepare for an offense that was starting a first time starting quarterback, number one, and was without Dedrick Mills, who was gone from the program, the B-back, who is going to be a 1,000-yard rusher this season, and they got completely trampled. So if you're saying you like Florida, I'm in agreement. I, I think the difference in this game, we're not going to see any outbursts from the Florida offense, but we have to dig a little deeper because I'm not in love with either of these teams. This is a special teams game. This is an Eddie Pinheiro game for Florida. I could Eddie Pinheiro, Johnny Townsend, Florida has the superior special team so if you're looking for an edge in this game, go home field, go special teams. Pinero, I don't know, maybe he he kicks four or five field goals. It's going to be that type of a game. I don't expect to see a lot of points. The defense of Florida will be the difference. I think Florida wins. It's a low line. Who started this off as a as an eight and a half point game? By the way, this was eight and a half points in Vegas. It's come down to about four. I don't think it'll be sexy. I don't think it'll be flashy. But I do think Florida gets the much needed victory in the swamp. I think it comes down to who do you feel is the better coach? Uh, for me, I think it's Jim McElwain. I mean, last year. 
Tennessee snapped an 11-game win, uh, win streak by the Gators. They trailed that matchup 21-3 to in Knoxville. They made halftime adjustments, won that ball game going away. I mean, 38-28, they blew out Florida in the second half of that battle. So, again, they made the halftime adjustments at home. I think Florida will learn from that. I still like their secondary. I wasn't sold on Austin Appleby last year at the quarterback position. I still think if Luke Del Rio is healthy, he's the guy to lead this offense. I think he gives them the best opportunity to win ball games. He's a solid game manager and doesn't make mistakes. To me, that's what you need. I think Florida wins this game 10 touchdown. Po- oh, that much? Okay. I, I, do, I, I just can see it three points the whole way. A late turnover. Yeah. Florida wins by 23 13. I don't think they're going to run away with this. Yeah. I just don't, you know, I cannot see yeah. Florida winning convincingly by 20 points or more. If it is, I'd be shocked. But uh, I expect Tennessee to be in it at some point. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think low scoring, uh, Florida wins, four-point line. I'm certainly not going to take Tennessee getting four points. I, Florida Florida needs this more. They have to get uh, they have to get into the win column, and, and at home, I think they'll do it. Yeah, now another intriguing battle in Starkville. Nick Fitzgerald and, and Mississippi State take on LSU. LSU's won 23 of the last 25. Since 2011, LSU is 5-1 and have won those games by 14 points per game. And oh, by the way, every time Darius Guy since 2016 has rushed for over 100 yards, LSU is 8-0 and has won those games by 27 points per game. I'm not backing down now. I think this is where you'll see offensive coordinator Matt Canada make a difference. Look for Danny Etling and look for Arden Key to be a factor. LSU wins this ball game by 17 points. It is a fascinating game. I, I love the matchup because you have LSU. We don't really know what to expect from the Tigers this year. We got a taste against BYU, but they haven't faced the competition, obviously, that they will in the SEC. You got a young defense. You have 30 sophomores or freshmen on the two deep of this team. So it's a very, very young roster at LSU going on the road to Starkville. We'll hear the cacophony of cowbells. This is a huge game. Dan Mullen, we talked about Mike Gundy being an underrated head coach. Mike, uh, Dan Mullen, one of the most underrated top coaches in the country. You've got Nick Fitzgerald, but you also have, Joe, a defense that through two weeks is beginning to gel. They inserted a lot of transfers, a lot of junior college transfers into that defense, led by Jeffrey Simmons up front. Jerry Green is playing well on the second level. I like Mississippi State not only with the points, but to possibly pull the upset because I'm not sold on LSU. I think this could be a case of Kevin Wilson at Ohio State where we're expecting an instant turnaround on offense. And I'm not sure, with the exception of Darius Geis and DJ Chark, that Matt Canada has the personnel. Could Danny Etling, the quarterback of LSU, could he get exposed on the road against an aggressive Todd Grantham-led Mississippi Mississippi State defense. I like the Bulldogs getting the points in this game. Well, I was never a fan of Todd Grantham when he was the defensive coordinator from Georgia. I mean, the one MO about Todd Grantham's defense is that it was very intricate. They had to do a lot of thinking and could not react to the football. He had great success with Louisville during his tenure there and really coached up that defense. But for me, it is the front seven of LSU. I mean, to wear 
bear down BYU the way they did. I mean, they're only holding opposing offenses to 31 rushing yards per game. If they can contain Nick Fitzgerald in the pocket, I think they have a big chance in this ballgame, and I expect them to win, but we'll pick it up. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Texas wide receiver B.J. Johnson. We'll get B.J.'s take about Tom Herman and the Longhorns. This is Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Sports Grid delivers sports news with a twist, including rumors, fantasy, and everything else fans love to read when they're supposed to be working. Come to SportsGrid.com for the other side of the story. on college football today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello. Huge matchup taking place later tonight in the Coliseum. Texas and Tom Herman taking on Clay Helton and Sam Darnold. What better way to talk about this matchup than with a former big-time player? He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in former Texas wide receiver B.J. Johnson. B.J., how are you today? I'm good, man. What's going on, my friend? How you doing this morning? Uh, doing well. Thanks for joining us. BJ, uh, Texas and Tom Herman did not get off to a fast start. Week number one against Maryland. Bounced back at last week against San Jose State. Give me your thoughts about where you feel this team is entering this battle from an emotional standpoint. Um, You know, emotionally, you know, the guys are still young mentally, man. You know, if you think about it, you know, the last two years under Charlie, you've had a young team. So these guys are, they've been losing the last two years. So they don't know how to win yet. And so I think they're just trying to figure out how to win and what's their style and, and what they need to do to win. Hey, BJ, Rich Sermonello. I, I think people will dismiss last week's victory because it was against a you know, Mountain West weaker opponent in San Jose State. I was impressed. I, what did you see in that game that gives you some hope heading into week three in the Coliseum? Um, well, you know, we needed to run the ball. Um, you know, I was at the Maryland game, and, you know, we just we didn't run the ball. I mean, I went to a couple of practices. Coach Herman has been really good about letting all the old players come around and, and be around. He's been welcoming everybody to come down and just kind of get those guys used to, you know, the tradition of, of Texas. But, you know, when you're on the field and you look at a Chris Warren, I mean, he looks like a wrestler, man. I mean, he's huge. You know, you got a guy who's like 6'3", 220, 230, you know, you got to give him the ball. And so, um, you know, they just need to get back to that Texas kind of football where they need to be able to pound the ball and run the ball and keep the ball out of opponent's hand. BJ, in this matchup on the road in the Coliseum against USC, a defense that's only allowing 133 passing yards to opposing offenses through the first two weeks, do you feel that Tom Herman will be aggressive on first and second down in terms of challenging that secondary? Um, that's a good question. You know, you you still got a relatively young quarterback. I mean, all your quarterbacks across the board are young right now. And so do you really want to take those kind of shots and those kind of chances with him? Um, obviously, Bichelle is a is a great talent, but you're still trying to figure out what, what he's really good at. I know we know he can get the ball deep. Um, but, you know, working the, work the middle and working some short game on the guys and, and trying to 
make sure you keep the downs moving and not try to take too many chances, but be aggressive when you need to. I think that's the route that coach will go. Um, but, you know, coaches and in, in, in himself, he's aggressive, you know, coming from Houston and the guys that he had. So he's going to try to do some things where he can, you know, do some trick plays and things like that. But I see him trying to be a little aggressive but trying to keep his young quarterback calm and, and, and cool in and, and this kind of environment. BJ, having been around football your whole life, I know every situation is going to be a little bit unique and different, but how long does it normally take before a new staff starts to kind of get uh, kids to buy into the philosophy? Uh, obviously, a new staff in uh, in Texas right now. How long does that normally take? That's a really good question. If you, I can use Coach Brown as an example. Um, we were part of Mac Brown's what second recruiting class that he recruited there and it didn't take until 04, 05, 06 you know for us to get a get a championship right with, with BY coming in but it took our class to go through some growing pains and go through some things and coach learning how to you know react to players and how to you know coach certain players and how to use them in certain systems um, so it takes, you know, a good three to four, you know, almost five years. So when you see these programs that go around trying to get new coaches in two, three years, it's just not realistic. You know, all the all the great programs in college and, and in NFL, you see stability. You see people that have been there five, ten, fifteen years, and that's how you have a winning program. It's not trying to always find a new hot person every two, three years. BJ, being a huge and, and great wide receiver in Austin, guys like yourself and Roy Williams and Wayne McGarity, even Jordan Shipley a couple of years ago, I mean, when you look at the wide receiver position, they had a young player in John Burt, never last year under Charlie Strong, developed as an elite wide receiver. But talk to me about this group as a whole, what you see from going to practice, and if there's one player we can key on a little bit later tonight. Yeah, you know, um, you know, I like Burt. I'm a big fan of Burt. He, um, you know, he had his moments last year. You know, he dropped some big balls in some big time situations. Um, but they're young. You know, Armani, he's the uh, he's the senior, so he's going to be the one that's going to lead him and, 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 and you know make sure that they're doing what they need to do. But Duvernay is the one that I like, man. He's the one you need to watch out for, man. He has some speed. He can get behind the defense. But when you look at Colin Johnson being six six, I mean, you know, when I played, when me and Roy played, I mean, they had Roy listed at six five. Then we got to the NFL, he was listed at six two and a quarter. So, <laughs> I mean, Colin Johnson is every bit of six six. Like they're not going to be pushing his head down, trying to make him smaller. So he just needs to learn to use his big body and be able to go out there and, as we say, Randy Moss some people. So I mean, they got some big boys, man. I mean, they got they got six six, six five, six four, six three across the board. So I mean, you know, when you got a group like that, they just. I was telling somebody yesterday the only, the only problem I have with our receiver group is they don't have that dog that fight in them. You know, when we were in school, we used to have a guy come in right before the game and say, "I'll give," you know certain things to the first person that gets a flag or gets a penalty or for trying to slap a DB or something, you know, because you, you got to go out there and set the tone. But that's, you know, football is different now. You know, guys aren't as, as aggressive sometimes. You know, they they rather be pretty than, you know, to be a dog. So, And BJ was both pretty and aggressive. I, I think we, he, he was a true dual threat back in the day, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, man, I got plenty of, I got plenty of penalties all the time. <laughs> that's, that's what 
What I, you know that, but that was just that was just our core group, though. That's just how we work. Yeah, no, it worked for you guys. What what is the uh, if you look around Longhorn Nation for today, I mean, obviously the upset would be epic, could could really be the launching pad that Tom needs. But what are the expectations? What would qualify as a good weekend in Los Angeles for uh, the Texas Longhorns? I mean, well, with our fan base, a win, first of all. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. I mean, if, if, they, if they come out, you know, and it's a really good game and they happen to lose it, um, you know, going into a tight game, I think you can at least come out with some positive vibes. Obviously, we would like a W. You know, I saw a stat the other day where Coach Herman is undefeated against a ranked opponent. But um, this is a different situation and different kind of team, right? But they have they have a bunch of talent, man. The, the talent just needs to learn how to come together. And like I said, learn how to win. You know, that's the best thing about yesterday, uh, last week, is that they, they got a chance to win and get that feeling of winning. You know, because when you're used to losing, it's a terrible feeling. And, and on Sundays down there, you know, you get you get victory celebration meal, and celebration meal is a hell, hell of a meal that you want to eat. So you got to get those W's so you can get that celebration meal. That's great. I love that. I love hearing about that tradition in in Austin. That's awesome news uh, there, uh, BJ. When you talk about uh, we talked about the offense, let's talk about the defense now. Going up against a balanced USC offense led by Sam Darnold, it's sort of like pick your poison. Do you want to take away Darnold and really concentrate on Ronald Jones in that rushing attack? If it were you. I mean, how would you play this game defensively? Do you want Sam Darnold to challenge that secondary vertically, or do you want to shut? Do you want to be able to shut down the run first? Um, you know, it always starts with the run, man. That's what football has always been about, man. Stop the run. If you stop the run, you make them one-dimensional. Then you can know how they're playing and how they're attacking you. Um, but you know, the DBs, they just, you know, they they have to come with it. You know, we have some young DBs back there. We don't. I don't think we have a but maybe one senior in the DB secondary. So um, being a young group, you know, this kind of game, you know, it's, it's at night, you know, it's in the Coliseum. It's like, you know, nerves get to your nerves. It, it, it's real, you know. Like, like you know, you, that adrenaline start going and, you know, you know you're on TV and the, and the lights and everything. So guys just got to make sure that they play under control and play fast and be around flying around the ball make sure that they're giving their offense a chance to stay on the field and keep theirs off. BJ, it was great information today. I know you're involved in MVP Vodka. Before we go to break, tell fans where they can pick it up. Yeah, man, you can pick it up in, in Nevada. We're in Total Wine. We're at Bellagio Hotel. We're at Mandalay uh, Hotel. We're at Planet Hollywood. We're at New York, New York. We're also all over the state of Texas. Um, I'm going to Colorado next week. We just got we're launching in Colorado, and we'll be in Louisiana, New Mexico here in the next two months. So you can go online on Specs or Total Wine, and you can order it from wherever state you're at, and you can pick it up. It's the only um, Bach out here that is owned by athletes. We have a bunch of guys who endorse us, like Carol Owens, um, Vince Young. We, uh, we had Bo Jackson out in Las Vegas. We had Lawrence Taylor. So we have a whole host of guys that we're doing things with, Emmett Smith and everything. So um, MVP Vodka, you can look us up on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You know, follow us, man. It's the Vodka of Sports. BJ, always a pleasure. We love to get you on a little bit later in the year as Texas navigates through the Big 12 play. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you having me, guys.
Great information from BJJ. Another intense guy. I, I love when the players come on. You yeah. heard him. He said, man up. It's about defense. They haven't played from a, a physical, yeah, a physical perspective since the Mac Brown days. And I even think at the end of Mac Brown's career, they weren't playing from a physicality perspective. But when BJ Johnson played, guys like him, Roy Williams, from an offensive perspective, and Major Applewhite, a dynamic, dynamic team. So, uh, again, I think USC wins. You think Texas keeps this game close when we come back we'll be joined by game time decisions host gabe morenci we'll get gabe's best bets of the day this is joe lisi rich sermonella live from studio 34 fantasy sports radio network The only radio programming that is for the ears of the fantasy elite is, of course, Fantasy Freestyle with Dane Martinez. What? Are you kidding? Not my show. My show is for all the people. Bring that promo back. This is Dane Martinez, Speeds, the spitting statistician, and you can check out my show, Fantasy Freestyle, every night, Monday through Friday. I give you my top five, dead or alive. Dead or alive, you are coming with me. My starting lineup. And now, the starting lineup. And you can join the cypher with me, Speeds, the spitting statistician. Yeah, yeah. I break down every stat from every game so your fantasy teams can blow up like a Samsung 7. Catch Fantasy Freestyle every night, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, only on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Back on College Football Today, live from Studio 34, some interesting games, 12 o'clock and 3.30. What better way to talk about these games than with Game Time Decisions host Gabe Morenci's live on the Celebrity Guest Line. Gabe, how are you today? I'm ready to rock and roll. I'm excited. Uh, big day of college football today, guys. I'm fired up. Some massive games. So there's some marquee battles. We'll get in, into those a little bit later, but let's start with a 3:30 battle in the swamp. Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since 2003. I like Florida in this matchup. Who do you like in this game, Gabe? You know what? This might surprise you guys uh, because I know I look like I'm 24 years old, uh, but I got a quick story. In 1990, I was 20 years old. I used to live in Hollywood. I used to have hair, and I was in a metal band. Uh, but I like to lay it down on the football games still. So I went to Vegas in 1990. I uh, don't tell anybody, but I was underage at the time. Uh, and I ended up staying in like a cheap uh, motel by the bus station. And instead of going out, you know, you're a 20-year-old kid, you're in Vegas for the weekend. You know what I did? I sat in a motel and I watched the Florida Gators and the Tennessee Volunteers. Steve Spurrier, Johnny Major. Spurrier kicked the crap out of them. It was a 40. Uh, uh, Spurrier got uh, the crap kicked out of them. Tennessee won 45-3. Where I'm going with this? Since then, all right, we're going all the way back to 1990. They've only beaten them uh, seven times. As you mentioned, uh, Joe, they haven't beaten them in the swamp uh, since 2003. Last year, they get the win for the first time in 11 tries. Listen, it's it's difficult. You know, figuring out who's going to play for the Florida Gators is like uh, trying to spy in North Korea. It's not easy, all right. <laughs> so you look, you look at the you look at the Gators. 
who knows who's playing for them, but we know the Callaway's out again. And, you know, we know that Jordan's going to be out again. So it looks like all the suspensions remain. You know, when you when you look at this and you look at the fact that the, the Florida Gators only were able to muster 11 yards against Michigan and that offensive performance was offensive, I still believe in the pedigree of the Gators. I still believe in the pedigree uh, of uh, their dominance in this rivalry. It's not easy to win the Swamp. The Gators have had a couple of weeks uh, to retool things. I would go with Felipe Franks. I think Franks gives them the best opportunity to win the football game. I don't want to see them get crazy in the quarterback position. I don't like seeing three kids play in one football game. But I think Dormady's going to struggle a little bit. This is going to be a tougher test. That Florida Gator defense is still a tough one, guys. I know I'm going against the grain. I'm not calling it the best bet of the day, but I think the Florida Gators win the football game. Gabe, I'm going to, uh, it's Rich, uh, I'm going to give you a, a homework assignment. You, my friend, are not allowed to bring up hairband without <laughs> producing a picture. So by next Saturday, I want to see a picture all right, of all, right. you, all of you I've and your bandmates. That is your homework assignment. And homework assignment number two is to uh, talk a little bit UCLA Memphis, 12 o'clock game. That's very interesting. Well, first off, uh, Rich, I knew it was Rich because it's only Joe and Rich there. <laughs> but secondly, <laughs> you can tell the difference. Huh? My blazer. Yeah, yeah. How about some love for my blazer here, man? We were talking earlier in the week, Rich. I said I'm going to surprise you guys, and I'm going to roll out the blazer. I expect a little love. I'm, I'm dressed for success today, guys. I'm dressed for success, and I tell you what, it starts. Uh, it starts off in the land of uh, of Elvis Presley. Um, I've been to Memphis uh, before. Uh, they're fired up for this football game. You know, national television, a national stage right now, an opportunity for the Memphis Tigers and Coach Norvell to put themselves on a national map. But I'll tell you what, we, you know, in the National Football League, what the betters are always talking about, we're always looking to fade the West Coast teams that are playing a 1, uh, one o'clock Eastern uh, start kickoff. Historically over the years, just sort of like blindly betting this, you'd be very successful. Well, last time I checked, this is an hour earlier than any NFL game even starts. We're talking about a 9 a.m. kickoff uh, for the UCLA Bruins and their body clocks. Not to mention, guys, they don't show up to the stadium 10 minutes before the game. You know, these kids are not going to be used to the timing of this, and they're also not going to be used to the speed that the Memphis Tigers are bringing to the table. I know that uh, Memphis struggled, and uh, Riley Ferguson didn't put up massive numbers. Listen, the weather wasn't very good in that football game. I'm going to give Riley Ferguson the benefit of the doubt. And all the talk about Josh Rosen. And, hey, listen, Chosen Rosen's a great quarterback. So is Riley Ferguson. I think this kid's better than Paxton Lynch, and Paxton Lynch ended up being a first-round draft pick. I'm very high on Ferguson. I'm calling an upset uh, special here. I know it's only getting three points uh, on the on the tote board. I think Memphis can win this game outright. You know, UCLA have a very hard time tackling uh, Memphis can run the football. They've got a couple of powerful running backs. I think UCLA are going to be in for a long afternoon in a track meet. Give me Memphis in a high-scoring game. I'm with you in that one. I have to be all in with Riley Ferguson. You're talking about a Memphis team that rushed for 319 yards last week, and you're talking about a UCLA t defense game that allowed 281 rushing yards to Hawaii and 382 to Texas A&M. I'm not taking yep. UCLA in any way, shape, or form. But uh, they go can't tackle. <laughs> they can't tackle. That's go what it comes down to. They simply can't. Listen, do people remember the sexy comeback against Texas A&M, and yeah, that was nice. Uh, people aren't, for, for, you know, they're not talking about the fact that Texas A&M and a freshman quarterback was able to go up and down the field on them like that.
I agree. We'll see how that game plays out. It's about an hour and a half away on a 12 o'clock well, kick. Up for that one. Not- you're buckled in. You're well, locked I'm pulling the trigger. He's locked and loaded for that yeah, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 1990 game. And 1990, to go back to Tennessee, the quarterback back then was one of my all-time favorites, Andy Kelly. So we'll see. That was the, the, He dominated in that matchup when he played back in 1990 and 91 too. So here's an intriguing battle that I like. Rich and I are all over Oklahoma State. It's a rematch of last year, 45-38 against Pittsburgh. I'm not sold on Max Brown at the quarterback position. How do you see this one playing out at 12 o'clock? I think this one's going to be a little bit easier this year uh, for the Pokes. You you know, we've been talking about this team on a weekly basis, guys, going back to the opener against Tulsa. They've answered both tests uh, so far. The offense has looked great. I think this is a bad spot for the Pittsburgh Panthers. I think the Panthers are starting to regress a little bit. I I talked to people in Pittsburgh. In fact, I was talking to someone in Pittsburgh yesterday, and they're starting to talk about Narduzzi a little bit uh, here and just wondering where this program is going. You know, Max Brown should be a really good quarterback. I mean, the guy supposedly was better than Sam Darnold at one point last year, right? Um, with that being stated, you know, less than impressive against Youngstown. And I think, you know, after a rivalry uh, loss, a gut-wrenching where you get punched in the mouth like you do in-state, like they did last week against Penn State, I think Oklahoma State are going to come in here and roll them. I don't think they're going to blow them out, but I think they get a double-digit win. It's a tough point spread, guy, sitting at 10.5. I wish it was, like, under... I wish it was eight and a half. I wish it was seven. It's not. Um, it's it's a tough football game. But ultimately, if I had to bet it, I would take Oklahoma State. But I think Oklahoma State's going to win this football game. But Memphis is definitely my big play in the morning games, guys. Can uh, can your Wolverines cover twenty six points? against Air Force. I, I, I know Air Force has a lot of new uh, starters on both sides of the ball, Gabe, but discipline, patient, well-coached, well-rested. And that Michigan offense, yeah, they have a lot of tinkering to do with Wilton Spate. I got to tell you what, um, I'm dressed like uh, I'm dressed for success. I'm also dressed like a politician, and I've been flip-flopping like a politician all week on this football game. I'm a Michigan Wolverine fan. I thought that they would uh, crush Cincinnati last week. They came out strong, and then they sort of sleptwalked through the rest of the football game. We saw a similar situation with Bama against Fresno State. Today, Bama get Colorado State, Michigan getting Air Force. Uh, The correlation is they start conference play next week. A lot of times when teams have back-to-back non-conference games, uh, Rich, uh, the coaches understand they can't dial it up to 100% on a weekly basis. Um, So they sort of... They pick their spots. They'd rather not play well in that first non-conference game, be able to have the power to yell at the kids, um, you know, and say, you know, you didn't do this, you didn't do that. I get the feeling that Michigan and both Alabama sort of dial it up a notch a little bit with conference play around the corner. But with that being stated, you know, Michigan's offense isn't an explosive one. They don't throw the football down the field. Uh, Wilton Spate is um, – when they do throw the football down the field, bad things can happen at times. Michigan were a little bit sloppy last week. I think they're going to be crisper. Uh, but you have a military academy, and I tell you what, guys, anytime you're getting a military academy, getting double-digit points, you have to take it. It's like blindly 75 and 35 uh, over the years. You know Air Force aren't going to quit, and you also know that Harbaugh's not going to want to run the score up on a military school. This isn't a very good Air Force football team, though. It's a really tough game, man. I think you can make arguments for both sides. 
ultimately, I think the Maize and Blue probably win by about 24 or so. The number's down to 23 right now. I think Michigan probably covered. Not in a hurry to bet it. I do like the over 50 and a half. And another big bet that I have, we talked about the game in the Swamp. The total was 49 and a half last night, guys. It's down to 48 and a half right now. I, where are the points going to come from in this football game? I, I just don't see it. You know, I know Tennessee's offenses look good against the Sycamores, and uh, they look good against uh, John Tech in the opener in the second half. They're not going to look good in the Swamp here. I think Dormady's going to struggle. I don't know where the point's going to come from. Give me the under for 48 and a half with that Florida Gator game as well. But this Michigan game's a real tough one. I think it's better left untouched. But if you had to bet it, I think Michigan probably get it done. Gabe, great insight and information. We're going to get you back in an hour. Get those picks for 3.30 and 8 o'clock. We can't wait. Well, I've got some good ones. I've got a big upset special a little bit later on, guys. Seven-point underdog is going to win outright. I'll tell you in an hour's time. Wow, wow. But he did I say... I know where he's going with I that, know, but I, I won't... I won't uh, you're going to take away my spoiler alert. No, no I, spoiler I alert for us, but, uh, yeah. uh, you know, that Mich- I know you hinted at that Michigan well, Air Force I, game. I, I know we're fucking heads there. At, at 25 and a half, and I, I liked it a little bit more. I, I Again, I, I said it to, to Gabe. Air Force with <clears throat> Troy Calhoun, they travel well. They've had the week off. It was VMI, so I'm not going to overstate it, but 62 to nothing against VMI. I think they're better than people expect. Hold on, counselor. I'll give my opinion of that game on next break. This is Joe Lisi, Ritz Sermonello, Rapid Fire next, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Let me tell you something. You look excited. I'm so excited. What are you excited for? Uh, Lineup Lock Live, which is our show every Sunday on Fantasy Sports Network, Dish, Television, YouTube Live, and on the Fantasy Radio app. I'm excited to wake up early with you on Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. Eastern Time, all the way to kickoff. Four hours. Absolutely. It's going to be the two of us, Emery Hunt, and a cast of experts. Experts that win fantasy football championships, and they want to help you win, too. So we'll talk sit starts. We'll talk injuries. We'll talk weather. And we will take your calls and questions and help you win your leagues and win that cash. So good. So fun. So excited. What can I say? I cannot think of doing anything. (laughs) else on a Sunday morning. I don't need eggs. I don't need (laughs) prayer. I just need lineup lock live 9 a.m. to kick off Eastern. Be there. Rapid fire segment. Great insight from Gabe Morenci. We're going to break down the 12 o'clock games right now. Air Force and Michigan. Michigan's defense has only allowed 39 rushing yards per game entering this battle. Lackluster effort against Cincinnati, but I thought it was because Luke Fickle was the D coordinator at Ohio State. I thought Hayden Moore and Mike Boone would be up to par to keep that game close. I like Michigan's defensive front seven, Rich, because in order to stuff the triple option, you need big physical defensive tackles that could disrupt running lanes, and for me, that's the difference, coupled with the fact that Air Force entering this 
year, only one starter on defense. Yeah, well, I mean, Michigan has the same situation, obviously, different caliber teams. Michigan has a, a lot of attrition on defense as well. I like the way Air Force travels. I like their discipline, their patience. Love their head coach in Troy Calhoun. I think at about 25 points, it's too high. This is the type of game that I think Air Force can keep it close for a while, possibly lose by about 20 points. I really like the Falcons getting the points. Really? I, I, I think Michigan puts up a 50 spot. I'm calling the game 55 to 17. They re- wear down an undersized Air Force defense. Another intriguing battle is Notre Dame and Boston College. Notre Dame has won the last five by eight points per game. Darius Wade did get some action last week. To me, that's the difference. I am still not sold on Brandon Winbush. I mean, the three of 17 on third down conversions against Georgia. I like a big physical defensive line led by uh, Harold Landry. To me, that's the difference. Upset City, Boston College gets the, the win at home. Well, I, I mean, that would be stunning. It would be bad news for Brian Kelly. That would uh, I, I think it's going to be the end of the Brian Kelly era this year. That would certainly exacerbate it. Uh, did not like Boston College last week. Got hammered by Wake Forest, 34-10. to 10. Didn't look good on offense or defense. I think Notre Dame bounces back. They have the talent. I am a Wimbush fan. I think with their back against the wall, having been embarrassed by playing in front of a, a Georgia contingency in South Bend last week, I think, I think Notre Dame by more than two touchdowns. Yeah, we'll see how that game plays out. That is a 3.30 kick a little bit later today. A very intriguing battle. Army 2-0. They're rushing for 417 yards on the ground, facing uh, an emotional Ohio State team coming off a 31-16 to loss to Baker Mayfield. All Urban Meyer does is coach them up. Ohio State will be ready. It's the triple option. Army gets them into an ugly game and keeps this game close. Look for an over-aggressive Ohio State defense. They don't maintain gap integrity. That'll allow big plays for Army to maintain time of possession. In the end, Ohio State wins, but very close, 30-14. to Yeah, a bit of a hangover for Ohio State. I mean, coming off of Oklahoma, now having to play a service academy at home, I don't know if you're going to get their best game. I I think it could be a shaky first half for Ohio State, but the speed and the size of the Buckeyes will take over. I think they stretch it out in the second half, build some confidence heading into Big Ten play. I was very impressed with Jake Bentley on the road in Columbia, dominating 31-13 performance over Drew Locke in Missouri. They're 2-0. Now comes Steven Johnson. Benny Snell a little bit banged up in this ball game but I like Mark Stoops here in this team I like Kentucky I think their ability to run the football more consistently is the difference upset Kentucky gets the victory but I think it's high scoring 34-30 Wildcats get moved to three and all Joe what do you have against Will Muschamp for people keeping score at home this is the third straight week Joe Lisi has gone against South Carolina now South Carolina is for real they're back home they're excited they're playing well on defense Debo Samuel could be one of the best players in the country that nobody's talking about. South Carolina keeps it going 3-0. Intriguing battles. SEC Pac-12. Shea Patterson goes on the road. This is an Ole Miss offense that's averaging 459 passing yards per game. Cal's defense allowing 326 through the air. To me, that's the difference. Running back Trey Watson is out of this ballgame. Laird, the backup, played well last week, but it won't make a difference. Ole Miss rolls double digits. I'll take Cal. Uh, divergent political views from these two schools. I, I will take Cal. Ole Miss struggling to stop the run. I'll take the Bears at home. When we come back, we'll be hitting the 3.30 and 8 o'clock games. We have an hour to kick off. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonella, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network.